0: Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pull String Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick, good morning.
1: Good morning, Mark. I really, at some point, I do want to see you do that read, because people really don't believe that you do that read uh, unique every time. (laughs) And I really do want to see you do that read without the script, because I think... You'd get it. I think you could do it. You I be- think I'd do it without re- th- looking at it. One time we'll do it. But but there has to be a guest here so that the stakes are elevated. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to reach over and rip the script out of your hand and just see. And you're just going to have to keep going with it. Okay.
0: So now I know when I walk in here that that could happen. I'm just telling at you it's a possibility.
1: Time. It's a possibility. I love
0: it. I'd love you to meet our guest um, who drove all the way up from the lower part of the 805, Laura Azelina Regali. And I understand your congratulations are in order. You're still a newlywed.
2: I'm a newlywed, yes. Thank I you. Last it. July.
1: Right? <laughs> Fantastic. Wait, j- July what? <laughs> July 2017.
2: July oh. 15th.
1: July 15th? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, my birthday's on the 14th. Oh,
2: happy birthday. Th- oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> and my, but my anniversary is the 23rd. So, oh, good. Yeah. And my Getting all your holidays th- in in one month. We try right. to pack them all. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And mine's the
0: 16th. So we're going to have a big party at your house. I call your, you guys. And you're <laughs> your cooking. Okay. Are you Sounds a good cook? good, yes. You I are? think so. I mean, well, ask okay, my you husband, can say yes. I don't know. <laughs> People like your food.
2: I think so. <laughs> so I want to
0: I want to thank our good uh, friend of the show Gerhard, who is um, you know our our sponsor. When we talk about California Lutheran University School of Management, basically we're thinking Gerhard, uh, because he's been a staunch advocate of the show and and the ideas that we have here and the the diversity of ideas and. I've said this often that the only people that get talked to to talk to professors are other professors and the students <laughs> and the civilians the you know, general populace don't get to hear these great things. And I feel like I get a master class, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, I can I can go down through all of the people Gerhard has sent. And I've learned significant things from each one of them that have helped me in my business and hopefully Mm -hmm. are helping our listeners in their business as well. Fantastic. So tell me, tell us, tell our listener what you're a professor in.
2: Sure, yeah. So I'm kind of a unique professor because I'm a practitioner too. And I think that's one thing that's so great about CLU is that they're really proud about bringing professionals into the classroom. Yep. And a lot of yep. other universities are not like that. There's kind of this weird tension between academia and the professional world, where if you don't have a PhD, sometimes you're not welcome in the classroom, but you have so much real life experience, but that yep. seems secondary to academia. So um, it's interesting. I kind of always wanted to be a professor, but I didn't know if I wanted to pursue oh. a PhD. I just loved, I loved working. I love entre- entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurship. I love that mindset. Um, so ending up as a professor is kind of just this great. Kind of serendipity. Cool, right? that ha- I, just, it's, I can't even how, tell you. How long? Um, just over a year.
0: And, and when did you know you wanted to be a professor?
2: Since I was in college.
0: Okay. Since I was in college, and but I
2: didn't think I wanted to do the traditional route. I wanted to build a career. I wanted to be in business. Was it but a I particular
0: professor? And you said, oh, I want to be that (laughs) person. There
2: there are a lot of them. But I think it was, this is going to sound really nerdy, but I just love doing case studies. I just thought that the idea of breaking up a company and dissecting their strategy and understanding um, where they went wrong or, or what things they did really well. Because sometimes you can learn the same lessons looking at yourself, but it's so much harder it's so much easier to look at someone else and say, "Oh, they did a great job with that." Or, oh, they that did a terrible job.
0: <laughs> forensic entrepreneurship.
2: Right. Absolutely. I think right? the case method for teaching is what it's all about. It's it's so important.
1: Is it because there's like, there's a narrative inside of that that, that that you can attach yourself to? You can start you you you're those characters you know in the in the different uh, mm-hmm. constituents or players, and then absolutely. and then there's definitely this risk of like, are they going to succeed right. or fail? Even though you might know the answer. It's very
2: dramatic. Yes. Yeah. It's like a movie. It's like reading a script. It's very dramatic. But um, I think there's just, it's very difficult for people to self diagnose problems. And this is something that I'll I'll get to this. But I'm a teacher and then I'm also a consultant, right? So I I coach a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs and owners of growing businesses. What's
0: your, there are uh, at last count, (laughs) 3,800 things you have to be good at (laughs) uh, to run a business. (laughs) No, I think it's it's 38 because when we built 805 Connect, we had to look at the competencies. Based mm-hmm. on um, HR uh, right. job recs, right. and said, "What are all the skills, hard skills and soft skills someone needs as a business person?" Right. And then we built a matching engine around that. Mm-hmm. And this this show is an outgrowth of that. Right. So which. Three or four? Are you have superpowers in
2: um, competencies as a business
0: owner? Yeah, and what you teach, and what you know, where because sure. you you got there's a lane you're in. Yeah, so I so teach finance, listener, finance, I teach
2: accounting, I teach teach corporate strategy, and the capstone class at CLU, which mm-hmm. is sort of the at the end of your MBA program. You are basically a consultant. We pick a client in the community, a small business owner, and we help them solve a problem or give them a strategic plan or just help them grow. (laughs) Exactly. I I
1: know that's probably not uh, the case, but I I see you guys as a strike team dropping (laughs) down. Like, I love your donut shop. We're here to help. (laughs) We're going to. It's true, and they can get very ruthless. Yes, it's
2: funny. CLU has them sign a waiver saying, "Remember, these are just students. Right? They're not consultants. You can't sue them if they give you bad advice. But normally, they give you fantastic advice." And and so finding the right personality type to fit that type of environment has students? been interesting. Um, there's usually twenty in a class. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing about Celia. They keep really small class sizes, which right. makes it really intimate and they get such a great experience from it.
0: And they pick one business. Yeah, you I want to hear business. I want to hear yeah. yeah, yeah. I, wanted, I wanna I well, wanna case study she's well, storyteller.
1: I, I want to hear the forensic yes. uh, breakdown of when one of those went really well.
2: So I think the one we're in right now is going really well and the personality difference is you either are open to feedback or you're not <laughs> It's very it's that simple, right? There's lots of businesses that need help. But so, and this gets back to that concept of understanding, personality and good and bad decision-making in business from a case study perspective, from looking at someone else as opposed to looking at yourself, it's so hard for people to admit weakness. And even if the other side of admitting that weakness is you get the best advice you could ever ask for and you get it for free and it transforms your life and your business, Mm. taking that step is so hard for some people. Mm. So in my consulting practice, I'm a coach to CEOs and I hold hold a round table every month and I uh, have financial management workshops where I teach financial empowerment for CEOs, meaning what is that? Fin- Tell me what that yeah, means. Yeah, it's, it's a fancy way of saying become a financial leader of your company because a lot of times People didn't start a business because they're good at finance, right? Mm-hmm. They started a business because they had this fantastic idea. They had this mission and this drive to, to yep. create something in yep. the world. And then they get a couple of clients and then they roll with it. And before they know it, they don't have any of the back end filled in, right? So they don't have structure. They don't have right. financial Absolutely. reporting. They don't know yep. what they're doing. They don't know if they're profitable. If they have a positive dollar in their bank account, they think that they're doing okay. But mm-hmm. it's so much deeper than that, right? So um, it's hard to convince those people that there's something that they need to learn and There's so many good people that I want to help, but you can't do it until they're ready to hear that and ready to have that conversation. So for the case study, for that capstone class, the person that does the best is somebody who's willing to receive that feedback. So we've had some instances of people who came in with very strict requirements, like I know we have to grow, but I don't want to work past 6 o'clock. This is why I started my business. Or I don't want to answer client emails on the weekend.
1: That seems like they're starting with a no. <laughs> they're starting with, right. with a... Instead a, a of per- yes and. Well, and I guess the parameter is, I guess you don't want to grow. That's right. <laughs>
2: right? So there's right. some trade-offs. Yes, it's going to hurt a little bit, but once you get over that... Do
0: businesses apply for this? Um, or do you hunt them? Who's I doing the hunting? I, we
2: kind of work... So... I go through my client base, and I just look in the community, and then the school also looks at people in their well, own no, network. Well, now this show,
0: people are going to be bothering you. Just, please do, yeah,
2: yeah, please do. But
0: I'm, I, we this, love to help this people. This notion of understanding the finances, especially mm-hmm. because we we talk to people who've won startup weekends at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the journey mm-hmm. to the, the kind of the end of right. the journey, retired. They're now they're mentoring right. and, and doing that, and we run a mastermind for speakers. Okay. Okay. That's great. So that people who have have uh, done a high stakes talk, maybe it's a TED talk or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now they want to, they want to build a platform, build a business. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to mm-hmm. a tech thing. Like right. They're not business people. Right. And one of but the they things, have this
2: skill that's incredible. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And so I explain what a pro forma budget is mm-hmm. to them, and I am not the mathematician <laughs> in the family, but I do know if your goal is. I'd like to make $250,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. Love it. Let's work backwards from that. Right. What are the lines of revenue? How is that going to work? Music to my uh, ears. Right? I love this. Right. Could, <laughs> could, right?
1: We, could we do? I want to see because we we we've been watching all these startup weekend things or these startup mm. competitions, mm. Shark Tank moments. Can, right. we, can we do that with the finance managers? Can we just get like like six like finance oh. teams together and they have to like battle it out with who's got the best financial pocket? You know, and they come forward with like this is how a, a pro, you know, and then they have to defend that financial choices. That's
2: an interesting that idea. Would, I, that would be an
1: intriguing week.
2: Right? Payback, right? Everyone I'm, that says no to people who are applying for funding now right. are going to get rejected.
1: <laughs> I'm tired of seeing all these startups about, like, you know, about how to make your seat warmer on an airplane. I want to see, like, I want yeah. to see just like hard number <laughs> research well, where they're just –
2: Everybody would fall asleep except for the it finance would be ama- people. <laughs> and,
1: and, that, and the group of judges would just be like, oh, did you – yeah, that, that back end of that, that decimal <laughs> exactly. placement <that> <laughs> well, it's genius. It,
0: it, there's there's definitely a personality type mm-hmm. that are attracted to this. Mm-hmm. T- and we've had – them. It's a them. very Let's, nice way well, to well, say it. Well, no, they – well, <laughs> You know, there's a love of numbers. There's right. a love of data. There's a love of understanding that right. you know. I put a pile of green sheet on your desk, and you're like, "Thank you," <laughs> right? And not everyone's like that. So, so as we're building out teams, right, where we need that, there's we had a conversation uh, earlier on the show. Um, I think it was the CFO of Blue Microphones. Mm-hmm was talking about the relationship of the CFO with the CEO right. on a, from a strategy point of view. Right. Talk about that for a Absolutely. little bit. Absolutely.
2: And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nitpick a bit about what you just said about the personality type
0: because mm, I'm a
2: great example of somebody who was not destined to be a finance person. So oh. I had no idea I was going to be a finance person. I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to go study art history. I thought I was a creative person. I am a creative person. You you but present as a creative ironically, person. <laughs> ironically, I'm also good at numbers. And I found that the people who really excel in their finance careers are People, people, right? They're, they like talking mm. to people. They like explaining things. Because as the sole finance person in a company, you're stuck in your office somewhere number crunching. Mm-hmm. And unless yep, you get yep. out of that office and explain what the numbers mean to the people who are making decisions with those numbers, you are a useless finance person. Ugh. So Can you um, say that
1: again? <laughs> say <laughs> it again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Say that again. Unless
2: you're willing to talk to people about what the numbers mean, you're not a useful finance person. That's what a computer can do, right? So, so there's so many great people who... Who understand numbers, and we need them. We need data analysts. We need people to be number crunching. We need people behind the computers, but we need them to also be able to explain what they're doing. And I think that's why I've had so much success in my career, um, because I'm not the traditional finance person, right? A lot of people think that you're afraid to talk to people or that you can only relate to numbers. And I've started with that as the starting point to any problem-solving process, but then you go out and talk to people and you validate the numbers and you say, am I looking at the right numbers? Do I have a complete set of numbers? Do you agree with these numbers? Does this match what you do on a daily basis, right? And you have to validate that and make it re- reality because if you're not, then it's just a mathematical exercise.
1: I, w- I, I, I want to I jump into where, where you're at and, and, and help me here and, and, sure. f- and find the parts of it that I'm not maybe getting exactly right. Sure. But I would like to believe that what you just said is, is, is in line with um, – that that we don't have to compartmentalize our experiences in the way in which we do the individual jobs that we do mm-hmm. right that Absolutely. that, that uh, the creative person you know very often I used to, I used to experience this all the time where somebody would come to me uh, late in life and say well now that I'm done with this career I want to go back to art school mm-hmm. and uh, I put that you know and I thought well you were you were always who you were right. while you were doing a CPA or a, you know some other kind of a logistic or an engineer mm-hmm. or a and so I always I, I want to believe that creativity and numbers are not mutually exclusive. Right. Right. But they don't live in in in, in all I this is this is my favorite joke, is that is that every time somebody throws some math out in the world, I want to do the mental math as fast as I can and then come up with just a quick answer, like, Oh, what should the tip be on this? Or how much how much would that parking be for five days at LAX? And I want to throw that number out really fast. And they always look at me and go, Oh, that was very fast mental <laughs> math. And I always say, Yeah, that was art school that taught me that mental <laughs> math. Oh. Because yes. because in art school we're always we're always trying to be profitable we're mm-hmm. always trying to purchase materials and and execute like you know oh i need you Pink know
2: thrifty yeah, yeah yeah
1: exactly i need 40 lengths of 20 feet of steel that will cut down to you know seven and a half feet per you know and you're like oh i'm gonna, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna need 40 lengths mm-hmm. uh, but that that math is always i want to i always want to dispel that conversation that oh the artists aren't good at math you know or the mathematicians aren't good at art mm-hmm. though that, that is just Insane.
2: Right. It's just a tool like anything else, right? It's a tool and it gives you a discrete answer, which is what makes people comfortable. But it's just a starting point. It has to be something more alive than that.
0: Mm. Else it just sits Making on a spreadsheet
2: that collects dust on someone's desk.
0: Yeah. So can we connect because I, I love this. It's what the numbers mean is mm-hmm. like the, the great CFO is going to be that one who can sit down and give you some analysis on that. Wait, and but then, don't
1: numbers just mean positive or negative? Aren't we just in the <laughs> black or the red? Aren't there those only <laughs> those Business two that choices? Business is simple, right? But, yeah. but, we just either succeed
2: they're, or fail.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're, indicators, they're right? indicators, right? And I'm, our listener knows I love visualization and I, I think like I can't look at yeah. a, a spreadsheet. I have no clue what it mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. Make a graph out of the numbers right. and I'm like, I'm with you. I, I'm going to suggest that what you're saying possibly is mm-hmm. add a story to those numbers.
2: Right. Absolutely. And this is something I talk about in my financial management workshop. It's called financial management for CEOs, which sounds counterintuitive. But really, the whole message is you don't need to be a CFO. You don't need to have your CPA. You don't need to be able to speak the tax code. But as the CEO of a business, it's your you have a fiduciary responsibility, right? Meaning you yes, have a responsibility to maximize the value for your shareholders, even if the shareholder is you right? Even of if it's course. you and one yep. and one partner, yep. Yep. you have a responsibility to make the most money for that business possible. Or if it's a nonprofit, to fulfill your mission to the fullest, whatever yep. it is. Yep. So that includes strategic planning and financial management. That doesn't mean that you are the key business development person or the key salesperson or that you run the operations. You might do all of those things, but you also are the number one in charge. So you have to set the vision because if you don't, nobody else is going to do it. So, Teaching financial management means, teach the strategic planning process, understand what that means, set a vision for your company for five and 10 years, set an exit strategy, and then pull your company towards that, right? That's value-added leadership. Mm -hmm. Without that, you're doing the the dreaded, I call it the dreaded road to nowhere. You're going 10% more than this year, 10% more than this year, and who knows where you're headed, right? It might be incrementally bigger than it was last year, but it might be incrementally bigger in the wrong direction, or it might not be incrementally big enough, and then in 10 years, you realize, okay, I grew 20%. But I actually needed to grow fifty percent, and now it's too late to fix those mistakes.
1: Aren't are you teaching CEOs how to learn though? Like, isn't that? It sounds like that's sure. uh, you know a real drive. Sure, learning of, all the uh, time. Yeah. Well, but that the, the, there's kind of this. I I feel like there's a misnomer that the CEO is this this baked perfect you know right. creature right. that has full. Was unders-
2: destined from birth to run a company.
1: Right, and it's like no, 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 <laughs> the chosen one. Yeah. Well, or once you've achieved CEO status at a successful business, that that um, it's just about about replicating what you already know mm-hmm. it's not about that kind no. of increased growth or no. change right yeah right it's it constant. goes back
2: to that personality type that you were saying before there there are so many things that go into being a great leader and a great entrepreneur and somebody who has the grit and the guts to start a business and there's different people required at different stages right so everybody loves startups right entrepreneurship has just become this new media darling everybody right. wants to fund right. an accelerator and create companies Yep. And that's so wonderful because that's what the world needs. That's solving major world issues and and we need that kind of creative thinking. But that's only step one of the process, right? You can start a million companies, but if they don't succeed and get to the point where you're actually replicating, like you're saying, and reaching the whole world, and you've been in business for 10 years and you have a vision to keep growing, it doesn't really matter how great of a startup CEO you were. So there's different skill sets. The startup CEO is somebody who just is so tenacious and is gonna get it done no matter what, right? They, they don't care about funding, they'll max out their credit cards, they'll sell their house, they'll quote bootstrap, that's the fancy word for it, but really it means you go into debt and you bankrupt yourself and you just yep. get a dollar from wherever you can yep. and you figure it out along the way, but you're yep. so pulled by your mission that it doesn't and matter how you do it.
0: And that startup CEO mode evolves to,
2: to the sustainable CEO. So this is I personally am such We've a fan. of- We've never
1: heard about that. What, I mean, <laughs> the other like part's the, so romantic. I
2: know, right? Everybody's Mark Zuckerberg. Everybody is Facebook. If well, you, except for the, if the, you build it, they will come. Everybody has that. Right? <laughs> well, well, but, right.
1: But Zuckerberg has stuck. This is the shocking part. Like he started one company. That's right. And he still owns the one company That's that he true. started. That's true. He is right. a bit of an
2: anomaly. Yeah. Right.
1: Mo- he he didn't exit. Yeah. He never exited. He's not yeah. a serial entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> Well, and that's almost enough. Yeah, it's almost a dirty word to call somebody a serial entrepreneur, right? Like, right. Like, or or, or, or not. Or, or, I'm sorry, not to be a serial serial entrepreneurs. We've had several in here who come in and they lay that they, that out on like a credential, like I'm a mm-hmm. serial entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, and it's like, well, but but so so you you build it and then just discard it. Right. You know, it's like where's the where's the that's
2: probably the best thing for the company and that's the right, hard thing to right, explain. Right, right. exactly. Right? So yeah. at different stages, different companies need different things, right? So the startup entrepreneur has all the grit and the ambition and the enthusiasm and
1: risk management risk, ability. Right. Yeah. Right. All it's that.
2: kind of a double edged sword because that bullheaded, I'm gonna make this work no matter what is also what stands in their way. Yep. And usually harms yep. them, right? Because yep. they're not open to advice, yep. they're not open to strategic thinking. It's like here's my vision, I'm gonna do it. So it needs that you need that for a certain stage, and then they need to know. When it's time to let go, wow. and that's a really hard transition point for a lot of people.
0: I was coached at Wayfront mm-hmm. because I came from being a chef for years, okay, cool, and then started a software company, mm-hmm. and of course, because that
1: just that was natural. Very, very that's, very similar. Similar. that's a whole <laughs> yeah. other show. Yeah.
0: but my partner Larry Burrells uh, had said he said because he was coaching me through this. Right, I'd never, mm-hmm. I literally had never worked in an office. Um, He says, we're going to go through these different phases, like you've just said. Mm -hmm. Right? We're going to go from here to here to here to here to here. Mm -hmm. We're going to need different people along that from here to here to here. Um, He says, what I want you to be is as the tide rises, be the cork that floats on top of it. So you're never buried. That's
2: beautiful, right? I and love I, that. And
0: I, Sounds like meaning. It was yeah. a. It was a. Th- you know, I'm sure if he's listening to the show, he forgets he ever said that. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those really critical things. Absolutely. And when you you talked about sustainability, mm-hmm. and we, so we go from this one to the other, and a no, uh,
1: sustainable. CEO, S- sustainable right. CEO. So okay. which is, I've never heard no. those two words <laughs> Right? The fly. It, Did might, you know? it might not
2: be a thing, but it just it came is out. now.
1: It is now. It is now codified.
0: So um, I would. Um, I had this philosophy that the next um, book.
1: We, we hear
0: that it's a ninety-nine percent business failure, right? right? I mean, most. of them. So I think about it as if I do a graph. Mm-hmm. There's an idea. We have a lot of people on the show that got this great idea. Right. Cool. Right. Now turn that into a product or a service that someone wants to buy Mm -hmm. okay great now I have a customer and now it's a business Mm -hmm. and knowing that that effort that curve Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to lose 99% of the people so Mm -hmm. if you make it that far pat yourself on the back but guess what? In my opinion, you're at the beginning of a new curve, mm-hmm. which is how do I turn that into a sustainable business? Right. Because now there's all that other stuff I've got to do right. to to make it last long, and I right. don't have that skill set. I right. have the skill set of climbing the first mountain, mm-hmm. oh, only to find out there's another mountain.
2: <laughs> it's never ending. Right. Just like life, right? You're never you never finish learning, you never finish evolving, and business is exactly the same. And part of that is because. Business is made of people, right? It's not a coincidence that business is hard. It can't be fit into a textbook. This is why all of the greatest universities in the world, Harvard, MIT, every great Ivy League school you can think of, CLU, have MBA programs and PhD programs. And they always will because you will never master business. It's impossible because you never master people. You will never finish learning about people. There will never be a new uh, type of person that you ha- that you have already met before. Right? There's
0: our ad for continuing education, <laughs> right there. Right. So lifelong learning. Right. One of the things that I ask uh, when I'm working with someone who's got this great idea and they want to do something yep. with it, I I is a stock question for both Kimberly and I is, what are you building? Right. And I'm curious when you meet one of your clients for mm-hmm. the first time, mm-hmm. uh, and you may get new clients as a result of the show, but what's your opening question?
2: So I ask them why they started it, what what their hope is, what their goal is. Some people are very clear. They say, I want to sell this and go move to an island, and that's fantastic. If that's your goal, know it from the beginning, and then we structure your growth very differently, right? Because then you're going to sell it to a private equity or you're going to go public, and that's a very different type of growth pattern.
0: Do you do you so? Also- Okay, let's drill
2: into sure. that
1: because to all I've, the people
2: that want to buy an island, y- listen up.
1: I was, I was just I was thinking in my head just kinda like <laughs> I'm, which island. Everyone's
2: <laughs> antenna. I just went. No, my, up. <laughs> my
1: my answer was you're already on your island. Right. Like, you're yeah. already on your oh, island. Oh that's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Everything you have you need. Yeah. So everything you are, you already are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I I've heard over the years that yeah. don't build a business. Mm-hmm. It's not like buying a house to flip it. It's you don't do that. You right. don't build a business knowing that I'm going to flip this thing, or are you suggesting that there is a world where you might do that?
2: There is, there is. So it starts with the entrepreneur. What Give is me an their, example of, of
0: where that's appropriate.
2: Where you can well, where you can sell it. So um, you need where to I achieve. That's, certain, where that's
0: my intent. Right. will say. Uh, build it, build a sustainable business with great customers, mm-hmm. great product, mm-hmm. all of that. And then that becomes a magnet for acquisition or right. a magnet for, right. for whatever, right. right? But don't build it for that reason.
2: Right. So anytime you're talking about acquisition or sales, you're talking about the multiple that you can get, right? So not, And not every business is capable of achieving that kind of multiple. And by multiple, I just mean... You can sell the the ownership of your company for 10 times what the, the book value is, right, what you put into it as an owner. You can sell it. And that's what private equity, that's what venture capital is looking for. So obviously that's very geared towards tech companies, um, towards social media companies, right, where you get that kind of hockey stick effect on yep, your chart. Your yep, revenue just yep. goes off the chart in five yep. years. That's where a venture capitalist is gonna want to come in. Sure. So not every business is like that, and that's not a bad thing, right? There's so many local businesses, and this is what I was starting to say before. I'm such an advocate for that sustainable business that's just a growing business. It's been around, it's gonna continue to be around. It wasn't a media darling from the beginning, but that's the bulk of our economy. That's what people don't realize is there's IPOs and there's big public companies, there's startups that get media attention, and then there's everything else that is so important, and that's Mm -hmm. where most of our employment is, that's where most people work, that's where most People put their dollars um,
1: because it's really stable, right? And that's right. thankfully really right. stable.
2: And there's and it's okay to just be on that growth path. Some people. Called a lifestyle business, and I always think that's a bit of a misnomer and a bit insulting.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. Not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that term.
2: Yeah, it means so. It could it could mean different things. It could mean that you created this as a hobby and you just wanted to find a way to monetize it so you could quit your job, and you just want to run this shop every day, or you just want to run this services business until you die, and that's it's just part of who you are, and it's going to give you money until you no longer need to make money, right? That's what people coin as a lifestyle business that has a negative connotation.
1: Unfortunately, because the island might be boring. buy an island and moved an island the only reason that island is available is because people got bored there and left right islands are really boring sometimes (laughs) it turns out
0: island for sale i'm just
1: saying you know just (laughs) i i i i think that all the time where i i you you meet these people who who are very old i knew this guy named um uh, he owned an office supply store in portland for like 70 years you know, retired mm-hmm. at 95, died. That's a perfect example. R- yeah. Died three days later. But, but the thing was is that that extremely useful to the community, v- valuable on, on multiple le- mm-hmm. levels. I always said he had Excel in hard copy because he had he had all of the notebooks that would before excel you could just generate the ledgers the ledgers he had all the ledgers and all the all the materials but the point being is that is that he was never looking his island was that office supply store and Mm -hmm. he loved it there Mm -hmm. everybody who came to him everybody who participated in his life was filtered through that place and 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 that was a hugely valuable way to live his life. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't ever look at him and say, oh, what a mistake he made because he never exited when he was, Mm. you know, 45 Mm. and had a hot. Built a chain of them. Right, 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 exactly.
2: That's why I say it starts with the entrepreneur. You can turn a business into anything you want, but it really depends on your personal goals. So to go back to your question of what would I ask somebody, that's my first question. Why are you doing this so that we know how to structure the next question, which is, what, what does the end look like? When will you feel like you've achieved your goal? When will you feel happy? Then to get to your question about how do you find out if customers really need this, oh. you have to you have to be solving yep. a, a, a pain point, right? This is marketing 101. Yep. There yep. needs to yep. be some gap in the marketplace. This is what we call growth opportunities. There needs to be some white space. If you look at your competitors. Blue and you, ocean, right, all of that. right. Yep. Something that somebody is not already solving. And a lot of times we find them just by our customers calling us and saying, do you guys do this? Or I, I, I called around. I can't find someone that does X, Y, Z. And you say, no, sorry, we don't. If you get enough of those phone calls, you're being given a golden opportunity because people are telling you what the market gaps are.
1: But that's but that's that's invention or, or, or filling in. It's that, like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to create something. Mm-hmm. What about the market gap where it's like, oh, well, that coffee shop is doing great business mm-hmm. and I want to open a coffee shop because I want to be in competition with them. Not because I think that they're not succeeding, right. but because I think they're succeeding at something I want to also succeed at.
2: Right. Maybe don't do it across the street.
1: Well. <laughs> But but you but, you, but coffee
2: right. shops are around forever, right? And there's a reason because everybody always wants coffee. Everybody loves that coffee shops represent a, a core part of their community. It's a meeting space. Well, yeah, it's but an okay. So what about business a business tr- model? But
1: what about like a tractor company mm-hmm. or a shipping company or mm-hmm. something a little less less attractive than a? But I mean, just just the, that idea of like saying that that this the, is
2: what I want to do, so this is what I'm going to open. You, right. So because yeah. that's
1: what I was told as a kid, right? Yeah. Like like find something you love do to do, you and love. you'll never work a day in your life. And I right. always say, find something you love to do, and and somebody will underpay you for it. <laughs> Because you love to do it. Which so is why a lot of people free.
2: become entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. they just don't yeah. want someone to pay them. They yeah. want to set their own terms. I and... just want to <laughs> do this for
1: free.
0: I just want to do this as
1: a startup forever. Right.
0: I, I want to drop a, another question sure. to this because I, yeah. um, we're in the question business here. Mm-hmm. And it helps us uh, unpack, right, as we're mm-hmm. trying to help people because we're both in the business of helping mm-hmm. people realize their dream. Mm-hmm. Right. How do we get to that? Absolutely. Right? Um. This was uh, chief strategy officer at a um, a global ad company. Mm-hmm. Uh, sat down with us mm-hmm. and he, we're explaining our business to him, and he's we're going to see how he can help us. Mm-hmm. And he just says with the straightest face ever, "What gives you permission to exist?"
1: Mm.
2: Wow, I like that.
0: And doesn't blink. <laughs> and you like. Okay, that's a mm-hmm. completely different way of asking mm-hmm. the question. Mm-hmm. And I ask that question all the time yeah. now because th- that's a completely different way of phrasing it. And mm-hmm. I would ask our listener to answer that question for yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. As a business.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. What gives you permission to mm-hmm. do that? Oh, well, because uh, it, uh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Cause, cause I can. Uh, no.
2: Right. Like,
0: when you answer that question that there's so much power in that
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would you agree i agree i agree you're charging your customers for something so we hope that everybody does that in good conscience right with an ethical intention of selling them a valid product that serves their need there's a lot of commodity products out there and everybody is just fighting for market share and so to go back to your point of can you just create any business and do whatever you want to do? Yes, you can. It can give you a starting point. But you need to validate that there's a need for it. Or else you're really just bamboozling your customers into paying you for something that they d- shouldn't be paying you for. So I absolutely agree. And it, not every business has to be, I think that kind of question prompts people to say, oh, well, maybe what I'm doing is not enough. Am I solving world hunger? Like, am I am I doing enough to solve world problems? Or am I a big enough part of my community? Or am I, should I go into nonprofit? Or do I have to serve people in that way? It can be any type of business sure. that you want. But, yes, you have to be filling a There's a, a need. value exchange. To, right, absolutely. Right. It's a val-
0: we we, um, we had someone in a few weeks back. There were, Again, each of these conversations, there's several nuggets mm-hmm. in there that you're going to get, dear listener. Uh, but it was people buy values, mm-hmm. not value.
2: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's never been truer than today with, the millennials who are so um, mission-oriented, which I absolutely love. I think millennials get a really bad rap. But I personally love that they've kind of, we always see pendulum swings, right? In culture, we went from super extreme, um, focused on wealth and glamour and evidence of wealth. And now I think we're really kind of swinging back to rejecting that. And I love that. I love that because people are putting their money where it matters. I believe so strongly in the power of the purse put your money with a company that you believe in and let that company grow, right? And this, is, I think, is um, becoming especially prominent with women-owned businesses, which is another wonderful evolution that we're seeing where people want to support women-owned businesses because they believe that there needs to be some um, equality that's fought for. And maybe they don't want to do it um, with a sign standing out on the street. <laughs> maybe they don't want to write their senator. But those little everyday victories, those little everyday um kind of detours from what you're always doing or told to do is they're so powerful and I think every consumer has tremendous power and they don't realize it.
0: As a, um, a devotee of case studies right you said you like that
2: right very nerdy of me I'm now never going to forget That's awesome. that I said that
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, remember the time
2: I went on that podcast and yeah. I was a nerd about case studies yeah.
0: you're totally <laughs> amongst friends I we're all nerds about something. So that's uh, I, that's what we that's what makes you lit you're right. lit up right oh, now, thanks. right? This is funny guys. Right? So um what continues to surprise you about business mm-hmm. that because you're so well read, I mean you're a professor, come mm-hmm. on. Um, you see it you see it every day and you're like how does this still exist? Mm-hmm. What, what did I'm going to, and I'd like three, cause I know you have. Sure. Three.
2: Um, Okay, so lack of financial knowledge has to be on that list yep. simply because it continues to be an issue. And it's okay. surprising to me, right? It's surprising that that's still such an issue. Yep. But okay. I think there's so much fear around numbers okay. and human nature is to pretend that what we don't know or that what scares us does not exist, right? We just <laughs> put on blinders and say, like, la, 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 it doesn't that's, exist. That's why I hate what? looking at my bank account. Right, right. What scares right. us does not Right, exist. and that's so okay. detrimental. that will, That will just ruin you as a business. Um, lack of confidence, which is really surprising because even for very successful businesses who should not feel that way, business owners, entrepreneurs, who should not feel that way, a lot of people are scared to grow. Um, they're scared mm-hmm. to think bigger. They're really scared to take on more than what they're doing today. And part of my job as a coach sometimes is just giving them that boost to say, look at what you've built. You are capable of so much more. And I think part of that is big business has such uh, an imbalance of resources compared to small businesses and growing businesses, right? They have the big ad campaigns. They have the big media spend. They have the the opportunity to create an operation and produce products and squash you in a day if they really want to, right? So I try to switch that mindset with my, my clients and remind them that they aren't the ones that are coming up with the ideas. They just have the pocketbooks, right? Small business and entrepreneurs are the ones that are creating all of the best ideas in the world. But they're local and they haven't heard about you yet. So instead of being afraid of these big companies or thinking, I'm not worthy or they're going to squash me, instead, let them know who you are. Put your mission out there and use their money to propel your mission, to propel your vision. It's the best way to do it.
0: So they they educate the market for absolutely. you. Right? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: absolutely. I think that, that 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 fear or that I don't have enough to compete just needs to be eradicated because it's not true. They really are looking at small businesses to, to understand where the market is headed To get the pulse because they don't know how to do that
0: exactly they're a big battleship right right.
2: they move slowly
0: we have a cartoon up in our office Mm -hmm. uh give a shout out to uh, if you look at at gaping void hugh mcleod uh he's a a cartoonist Mm -hmm. Uh, and does just brilliant stuff but the one we have on the wall is don't be the best in the world at what you do Mm -hmm. be the only one in the world at what you do i love that and because you, you bring your unique, it might be a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a lot of coffee shops, but never one run by you. That's right. And your experience. Mm-hmm. What's the third big surprise um, that surprises you? Like, what? Why is this still a thing?
2: Self-awareness. I think this gets back to the conversation oh. we were having about different types of CEOs. There's no right or wrong way to run a business, and there's no length of time that's right or wrong to be staying in your position as CEO, but know, know when it's time to step down, know what your weaknesses are, and surround yourself with people that have that as their strengths, and you can stay CEO forever, truly. If you continue to have the right vision for the company, or it doesn't have to be CEO, it can be any role, any, any job that you're doing, but know what you're good at, know what you love, and don't force yourself into something that doesn't make you happy or doesn't feel right, because... There's millions of people that would love to do that thing. And so the more you know about yourself and what drives you, the more successful you'll be at anything, no matter what, whether it's running a business, whether it's doing accounting and finance, it could be anything. But I think that continues to be a surprise to me that people feel like they need to give themselves permission to, to live the kind of life that they want or to run the kind of business that they want. And no one needs that.
0: We were coached early on in one of the businesses we run Um by a very successful guy and and he said before i can help you i need you to go do this thing
2: what and, was the thing
0: um he called it owner's desire
2: okay
0: he said because we're a couple owned business and mm-hmm. i'm big fan of creative couples that mm-hmm. work together mm-hmm. um he said owner's desire is, what does your day look like? What do you desire it to be? And you Mm -hmm. said earlier that, you know, the people who want to leave at six o'clock. So it's like, I want to wake up, I want to meditate, I want to do this, I want to, oh, I want, first Mm -hmm. thing I want to do is answer email in the morning, or, you know, it's like, make everybody dreams of, right? And (laughs) and you make that list and you be as honest as you can. We went and we did a little retreat, the two of us. Mm -hmm. And figured out what she was good at and what I was good at what where the lanes would be and mm-hmm. all of that stuff and I've never forgotten that figuring out what you can and can't do right. and to your point of being confident mm-hmm. I think your confidence for me comes from a lack of certainty mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that uh, the enlightened ceo is going to say hold it in my my sc- skills uh, mm-hmm. inventory mm-hmm. I'm weak here here right. and here and that's right. fine and there's
2: no emotion to that it doesn't have to be good or bad right
0: no. yeah no, it's just like the numbers right. right you either are or you aren't right <laughs> and then you go find people to mm-hmm. fill that in that mm-hmm. you that complement and that's part of building a tribe right because right? we don't do it by ourselves absolutely right yeah how do you um like what's the f- there's a lot of consultants that listen to the show as well mm-hmm. and there were a lot of lone rangers out there working right (laughs) uh, with people what's your favorite part of doing that job
2: oh gosh i i okay so this is why i called my company illuminate ceo i love that moment when someone's eyes light up and they have the confidence and the ability to move forward i think it's such a privilege to be part of someone's journey right our as humans our greatest most human thing is to strive for more, right? We're always pushing to be better. It's part of our survival instinct. We're always pushing to be better and do more and provide more for our families and more for our communities. We really are limitless in that respect. We can do whatever we want to whatever extent we want. But sometimes we get stuck along the way for various reasons. So to be this the person or one of many people, right? A lot of people just have a whole team around them who are helping them in various respects. But to be one of the people who gives them the confidence to push through that wall and live a really happy life I really practice joy right I teach people do what brings you joy it can be whatever
0: forget work-life that <laughs> I, I don't see her being joyful at all Patrick
2: terrible very very gloomy I don't, person I don't, I don't
1: think you understand that I can see your face right now I know that you're clearly being uh flippant or whatever but uh yeah uh, no, I think correct. she I think she's very joyful Mark I don't yeah. know Thank what's wrong you. with you <laughs> She seems full of joy to me. You clearly are bad at
0: reading people. It's, it's a big a big, part of it, isn't it? It is. Right? People
2: you're... talk a lot about work-life balance, and I think that's passe. Work-life balance is not a thing anymore, okay. right? Because it's everybody a T-shirt is, from the that's mid-2000s. That's so right. Everybody is, has a side hustle, right? Everybody is doing it. Oh, you're just an,
1: throwing out the classics. Right,
2: an eBay business or an right. Etsy business or everyone's doing something on the side that they're passionate about that brings them joy. So it's not about, okay, I want to leave work at 5 o'clock so I can go pick up my kids or cook dinner or whatever. That's work-life balance, the old version, Right. New work-life balance is called joy, finding joy in your life. If that means you stay up until midnight working on a side project, right, do whatever makes you happy. If that means running a business part-time and being a part-time employee, whatever it is, whatever it is, there's so much potential. But that's what I love to do is helping people be honest with themselves about what they really want out of life. And oftentimes it's very different than what they say they want. And you have to keep asking them the same question, right? You have to break them down a little bit. <laughs> what do you really want? Them. What do you really want, yeah, yeah, right? Not in, a, yeah. not in a bad way, but... Very rarely do people ask us that question and force us to be honest with ourselves.
1: Well, because – and the very first answer, as you're saying, is is it's not – It's the polite response. It's the polite response. Right? Like, it's how the, are you right. today? Good. How are you? It's the one you have teed up. It's right. the canned response. Yeah. Right. Right. Right.
2: Peeling back the layers is really how you get to the right result.
1: Do you think – and this is I – mean, we're late in the show already. But um, is that – do you think you, you are always looking for, like, how to ask that question or how to kind of, like – change that question to, to kind of do that, like like quick, get through the, like you're sharpening the that politeness. question, yeah. yeah, to get through the layers a little faster.
2: Sure. I, yeah. I have to read people and see what they're, you know, are they closed up? Or are they not someone who likes to talk about themselves? Do they deflect a lot and just end up showing you their website or something? Yeah. And then you have to say, what do you like about this? Or how was your day today? Or what, you know, what really stresses you out? What are your pain points? What keeps you up at night? Sometimes it's a lot easier for people to answer the questions about what's causing them stress then about what they love to do. Not everyone has that answer teed up. I love whatever it is. Not many people are willing to share that. So you just have to ask it a different way and then infer from what causes them stress. Well, maybe the opposite of that would bring them joy.
0: A guest of the show and uh, listener go look up uh, John Davies, Mm. um, strategic thinker, Mm -hmm. um, dear friend of the show, a smart guy. He Mm -hmm. has this thing he calls DOS, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is danger, opportunity and strengths. And I've adopted that Mm -hmm. and I'll and I kind of do it at the end of the onboarding Mm -hmm. where I now I know what they're building. I know why they have permission. I know what the revenue streams are. I kind of have a sense of who their team is gonna be, what tools are they gonna need along Mm -hmm. the journey. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, okay, what are the dangers along the road that mm-hmm. we so it's uh, uh, on my TEDx podcast? A guy from Norway calls it the pre-mortem.
2: Okay. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's re- right. Very heavy, yeah, it's but a very thing. true. It's a thing. Yeah. It's
0: a pre-mortem's a thing. Yeah. And so I'll say, okay, this, your plan sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's a dragon in the story somewhere. Mm-hmm. Can we identify what those dangers are mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. to each one of those points? And it's only after you've identified those right. that you can go back and go well maybe I won't be able to self-fund it or maybe I won't have the energy or maybe I won't get the support right. and it's like create a space for them to have that conversation right right with themselves right and try to be honest about it
2: Right, and you don't need to discourage them. I think you can do it in an academic way. That's not like you should prepare for the worst. Be prepared to fail. <laughs> you don't have to oh, approach in yeah, that no, right. No, it's no. a right. be aware of the things that could come up, and then have a plan in place for them before they even happen, so that they never even become issues. Right. And that just eliminates all of the guesswork and just keeps you going. Keeps I think that that's momentum. called
0: risk management. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Um, uh, your students are so lucky to have you as a Thank professor. You. I'm
2: really lucky to have them. I love working with them.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, I love the, the youthful privilege. energy, and you know they're gonna they they're gonna question you constantly and help keep your thing really sharp.
2: Right, and I hope.
0: Ger, Gerhard, <laughs> again, thank you so much for for introducing us, Lori. We've come to that part in the show where you get to give the show a title.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was a great look.
2: Hey. Oh, I'm not good on my feet.
1: Oh, I, I beg to differ.
0: Yeah, no, I'd say you're doing really well on your feet. So, someone. I mean, who's... if you want to
1: stand up to do this part, <laughs> you can do that. That's fine. So,
0: um, someone has come in. They've listened to another show. Yep. And now they're looking through the catalog of titles. Right. And they don't know. So, a title's going to get
1: them or not get them. Right. What's the title of this conversation?
2: Um. Okay. Give me a second here.
1: I feel like I saw one. I saw you write one down. I have I a couple. What, a couple good? of okay.
0: ideas.
2: Okay, I want to say something about illuminating because that's really why I do what I do. And I hope that comes through in our conversation and in the work that I do with my clients. So, something about illuminating their. their
1: um, What's the name of your company?
2: It's called Illuminate CEO CFO. Yeah. It's illuminatecfo.com.
1: Yeah, I don't Something I don't, like that. I don't know why we would dig further than that. <laughs> I mean it's pretty illuminate CEO or you know is is right in there
2: illuminating your path forward something like that See
1: I knew you'd get there <laughs> That's almost always I we very very rarely have we had a guest who says to us just like yeah no I'm not going <laughs> to not going to name the show Just I don't have anything good luck
0: Well it's your you <laughs> know it's it's like it's your thing and <laughs> you know we have converse that's why I love this show conversationally the format mm-hmm. of it but you know we created something here together we didn't know where we were going to end up right or where we started right so we put a bow around that thing and say it's a thing now right it's going to live out there and right I don't know if you know this but Gerhart has a playlist mm-hmm of shows that are required listening for students
2: oh really sure. i did not know that yeah wow, so that cool. like
0: here's three shows that are great on marketing here's mm-hmm. three shows on finance mm-hmm. here's three shows on hr here's three show i mean right. we have lord knows we have plenty to pick from <laughs> right we we have a few
1: and- mark comes to me at coffee hey you want to we should do this podcast thing and I'm like, oh okay good luck we'll, we'll, get, we'll start with six Hundred and eighty some episodes oh my later. Gosh. Oh yeah.
0: Clearly a there's a need,
2: right? You guys yeah. have a purpose for we existing, a, like you said, yeah.
0: We call it conversational content.
2: I think it's fantastic. Right?
0: If 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 it's all about content marketing, mm-hmm. like what is that thing you have that you can give freely to the right. world? For us, it's conversations, right. right, with really smart people. So thank you so much it's for joining us It's been such an honor. Thank you for on having the me. Show. Thank you so uh, much. Gerhard, thanks again. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management Tolman and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast or you want to produce a show, drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. We'd love to help you. Patrick, how could our listener... Help us and help the show right now.
1: Uh, Rate, write, review. Those are three steps. You can pick any one of those three steps, and it will be helpful. Uh, but another step is also just to uh, find us a new listener uh. Uh, NPR does this on a regular basis where they um, you know they try to find new members to, 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 to join uh, their listener uh, audience and so we are always doing that so if you want to be an advocate for us we would appreciate that uh, go give this podcast as a gift to somebody who uh, is in need of something to listen to uh, even if and, and maybe maybe more to don't find a business person don't find somebody who's who you think needs this podcast find somebody who who just enjoys a good conversation and, and, hey. and, and give them the podcast. We uh, Our audience is, is filled with entrepreneurs and intelligent CEOs, but we also uh, really enjoy talking at uh, just the average general public.
0: Exactly. I would love to hear from you if you've got any questions or more specifically if you have an idea for a guest for an upcoming show. This show is 100% done with introductions to interesting people I would not have known. So thank you in advance for that. Drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com. Thank you. Thank you for sure. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.